Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, and welcome to Chandler United Methodist Church. We are told in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 that for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, we obviously have more than two or three worshiping with us this morning, and we hope that you feel his presence during our worship service. We certainly welcome your presence, and particularly if you are visiting with us. We know you had other opportunities, and we are glad you chose to worship with us. If you are a guest this morning, you may wish to read the To Our Guest article on the first page of your bulletin to learn about some of our worship features and make you feel more comfortable. Please take time to read your bulletin announcements. This month, our mission focus is on Hushabye Nursery, which provides medical care to infants suffering from neonatal abstinence syndrome. We have our annual church conference today at 11.15, and all are encouraged to attend. So first service, go have breakfast after, after service, and then come back at 11.15 to join the church conference. Uh, adult and family would like to thank all of those who had a chance to come out to our September event last night. We had a lot of fun at Starfighters. Be on the lookout for our October event. For more details, we will be having a chili cook-off and costume party at the end of the month. So looking forward to having everybody join us for that. Our men's group is meeting this Tuesday evening. Uh, we've added an, a meeting uh, during the week instead of our Friday uh, monthly breakfast. That's this Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Would appreciate any men, both young and old, to join us. We can use some help setting up for our Chandler iHelp guests on September 25th. Our Live in Faith Everyday Bible Study Group is currently meeting on Tuesday mornings and is open to all with no prior Bible knowledge required. We are creating a new youth group opportunity, and if you want any details, please reach out to Steve Gregory. Details on these items are found in your bulletin, so please read them and plan to participate. There is also a prayer request for Rich Timian in the bulletin. And if anyone has any prayer requests they would like to have in the bulletin, please submit those to the church office. Welcome and may you, may you feel Christ's love this Sunday. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Good morning. Can we have the children please come forward for children's time? Whoa. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to worship. I'm glad you guys are all here. So we're going to be starting a new section today. We're going to start all the way at the beginning in Sunday school and we're going to talk, start talking about God's creation and all that he created. How he created the heavens and the earth and the sky above us and the beautiful land and all the plants and animals and us. And we're going to be working through all that. So when God created all those things, he did a really good job, didn't he? Think of some of those places you've gone out in nature. Can you think of some places you've gone out and seen nature? What's your favorite places to see? What are the stuff you see? Going out on the river. Oh, the river. Rivers are fun and beautiful, aren't they? The way the water moves and all the trees. And here's a nice little river here with all the different flowers and leaves. Yeah, the Grand Canyon. 
Right, yeah. Sometimes we can get a boat and we can go out on there or a kayak, all those things. I like to hike and I like to see the mountains, of not only around Arizona, but also in Montana. Recently, I hiked up in Washington with all the trees and moss growing. What about flowers? Did God do a good job with flowers? He did. Just think about all those beautiful flowers that are out there. And what about animals? He did a pretty good job with these animals. So who's, what's your favorite animal? Elephant. Elephant? What? Cheetah. Okay. See, I'm a penguin guy. I like the penguins because they're always looking pretty sharp, aren't they? Yeah. So, yeah, he did a good job with all these amazing animals. And then think of all the amazing people around that he got created. Yeah. We got some pretty amazing people, don't we? All right. So after God made all this, it says God saw everything that was made. And what did he say? It was very, very good. And so we're going to learn more about that in Sunday school. Now, when we look around at God's creation, I was thinking about this the other day when I was walking my dog. I was walking along through God's creation. I was watching the sunrise come up. I could see the Santan Mountains. The grass was green in the green belt. But then I looked over and I saw a piece of trash over there. And then there was a Coke bottle over there. And then I walked a little bit farther and there was more trash on the ground. Can you throw some? All right. And then there was a water bottle over there. One more. And so I saw all these things in my park and I thought, that's God's creation. We shouldn't just leave that there, right? Should we just litter and leave trash there? Or should we be good stewards? Did God tell us to take care of his world? He did. He told us to take care of this planet, to, to take care of the resources, take care of the animals. So what do you think we should do with this stuff? Should we just leave that trash in our parks? What do we should do? We should pick it up. So I went and got you guys these right here. All right, so here's, here's your tool. You can get a little baggie. Pick those things up. Can you help me pick up this trash here? Yes. All right, you pick up that trash. Put it in there. Oh, oh, throw it. All right, pick them up quick, quick. How fast can you pick them up? Go, go, go. All right, all right, all right. Throw them in there. Throw them in there. Oh, you got them? Oh. Here, put them in here. There you go. Got a helper. Hurry, one more. One more. All right, teamwork right there, teamwork. All right, here, come on back, come on back. All right, all right. That's what we need to do, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, so I guess we should have gave the safety lesson first. See, my, my friend who's a safety coordinator, she would have been really unhappy we didn't have a safety class. All right, so we got to be careful with these, don't we? We don't want to poke someone's eye out when we're out picking up trash because we want to do a good thing, clean up God's creation, but we don't want to poke anybody with these things, right? So we got to be careful. All right, so these are made for picking up trash. And you know what else you can use? You can pick up your room with this. How cool would this be? You pick up those Legos, all the, that shirt that you left on the floor in the room, boom, right in the hamper, right? You can do a lot of things. So, and you don't want to pinch anybody with these, right? No. The only one you can pinch with these is dad, okay? Don't pinch mom. Dad's okay, right? And get, all right. So let, let's pray and then we'll go to worship, okay? All right. Put our hands together and we'll pray. Dear God, Dear God thank, you thank you for this amazing creation. And help us to do our part to take care of it. And all God's children said, Amen. All right, let's go to Sunday school. Please stand as you're comfortable and able and join in the opening hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved our brother. 
See you.
Wow, I needed that. Uh, th this is the uh, uh, Sunday when uh, the joke of making plans, you, you know that joke about, oh, you've got your plans. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, uh, kind of hits hard. Uh, 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 our, our plan had been that we were going to work through the summer talking about uh, being a new creation and uh, have a conversation as a church about our future, and um, uh, we discovered that that plan is inappropriate. Uh, uh, it's not appropriate to come at God with an agenda. Uh, we come to listen, to learn, to be restored. Um, uh, we, we, we had a plan. Uh, I was planning to preach last week and be gone this week, but I got sick, and I've never had the flu like that, so I didn't get to preach. I thank God for Steve. Well, he's the real deal, tell you that. Uh, he stepped into the pulpit and didn't just step into the pulpit, he fulfilled the series. Uh, we've been talking about praying and, and he did an awesome sermon about prayer, uh, Jesus praying and, and coming into the presence of God and just such a good, he is the real deal. Uh, uh, we, we had planned that actually I wasn't gonna preach this Sunday. Uh, it was gonna be Margaret Massal. Uh, Margaret became ill this week. So much for those plans, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and you know how you're, I don't know if we'd use the word plan, but, but you kind of start taking people for granted. I had planned to see everybody in this church forever. I, I just presumed. And then I came in this morning and found out that we have lost two of our near and dears. Carol Vinberg slipped from our grasp uh, very suddenly, as did Patsy Flagstad. Uh, and our hearts are just aching for, for their families. And, and we, we had planned that we would see them, but, but no, plans just no. Uh, I figured we'd see uh, Margaret, we didn't see Margaret, no. And, and uh, Wilma Ellis is uh, in the hospital. She went yesterday with great pain. So uh, plans. Uh, and, and I don't want to say God has a bigger plan and God calls me. Yes, God's grasp is non-negotiable. But I don't think God uh, snubs. No, no. It's just life. Life happens and... Our plans don't matter after a while. And what matters is that God's grasp is non-negotiable. God does not let go of us, no matter what. That's the promise. Would you pray with me? It sure is nicer, God, when it all fits together into a, an easily manageable package and life is predictable and things go as we expect them to go and plans come to fruition. <laughs> and we go through the grief of realizing things don't work out the way we wanted them to. Things fall apart. Things come undone, and we have to come running back to you. 
and your way. Your way, your way. And we find sweeter than our plans coming to fruition and better than us feeling in control is the comfort and the restoration and the peace we feel from your grasp. In your name we pray, God. Amen. Please join me in the offertory hymn as our ushers come forward. Today's gospel and scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6 and 15 through 29, and the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, 7 and 8, and 12. Please stand as you are comfortable and able. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus has finished saying these things, the crowd, crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now the book of Hebrews. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary tech teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is framed, receives in the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles and worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And the people said, thanks be to God for the gift of scripture. Thank you, and please be seated. Well, I'm just finding out the back screens are not going to work for me today. Um, all right, well, here we go. See if I can pull this out of the brain pan and uh, make it work. Uh, could you bring me the white remote right up there by the computer? That right up there, that one. Yep, that's the one. We'll see if that solves the problem. I'd say throw it, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much. We'll see if this works. And uh, otherwise, we're going to be relying on the brain pan, and it's not working. Okay. Well, we're going to rely on the brain pan. Well, this plans, right? Plans, 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 plans. We have been... Um, I want to welcome you. If you're trying something new, I, I want to say welcome and a welcome to worship and uh, where we bring all that we are and all that we have and we come into the presence of God and we lay it down before God. And, and sometimes that happens in person and sometimes that happens uh, live streaming. Welcome, welcome to the 21st century. Uh, um, 
If this is your first time here, um, thank you for trying something new. Um, we're going to trust this is good for uh, your soul. Um, we are in a sermon series, and we've been talking about what it means to be a new creation, and we have found that we have been pulled in several directions. Uh, uh, Paul is not pulling an idea new out of his hat. He's not making stuff up. He is reaching back into Jesus. Jesus seems to constantly, or Paul seems to constantly be interpreting Jesus for a new crowd, of, and, and he is. He's interpreting Jesus for the Gentiles that are coming into the church. And, and so going, we, we found we needed to go back and talk about Jesus and, and the, the concept of prayer. And, and I was so grateful last week that Steve picked this up. He just did such an outstanding job. Of, of spelling that out, of, of what it is to pray and, and come into the presence of God. Um, and, and so we're going to start there today, um, talking about what it means to be a new creation, uh, what Jesus had to say about prayer, uh, specifically to the religious authorities. Uh, you remember what he says in the, in the Sermon on the Mount? This is where we're talking, chapter 5, verse 20. Unless your righteousness exceeds those teachers of the law, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And we discovered that righteousness is not a list of to-dos. It's not about you perfecting yourself. It's, the Greek word is dikaiosune. The Hebrew word is sadiq. And it's about coming into the royal court being invited into the presence of the king. It, it, it's a gift. And so we learn that any time in Scripture, in the Gospels especially, you see the word righteous or righteousness, the way to understand what that is about is to replace that word with time with God. Unless your time with God exceeds that of the Pharisees, You'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.20, Jesus is not requiring us to, to perfect ourselves, to obsess on that impossible task of removing our flaws. Jesus is simply, he's much more practical. He's simply tasking his hearers with spending time with God. And he is making clear the religious authorities do not. Jesus makes clear the religious authorities, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Zealots, are not the real deal. How, and he, his point is, how can these people claim authority of speaking for a God they don't know? How can they be the representative of a deity with whom they spend no time. Jesus is making clear they are not the real deal. And that's how you know. They wore robes. This is just Jesus' example. They wore robes and they worked the crowd. And they liked to walk around uh, places of honor. They liked to sit in the high places. Uh, but they had turned their spiritual practices like giving to the poor or fasting or praying into public demonstrations of false humility. And Jesus makes painfully clear, do all of those things 
in secret where only God knows what you're up to. Spend time with God. Let all of those things be an expression of that time with God. And, and I found myself motivated to read the Gospels looking at the scribes. I, I'd invite you to do that too, the Pharisees, the, all their little habits, all their little practices, all their little patterns, the, the habits of the religious authorities, what Jesus says about them, what Jesus says to them. What they say, what they do, how they act, the, the conditions that they create. And it becomes painfully clear, vividly clear, that the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the zealots, what they've spent their time doing is harping on the rules and just browbeating everyone else. All the poor people especially. Well, you're poor because you're not good enough. And we're rich, and we have because we're blessed by God, and that's God's work. And we speak on behalf of God because we're so good. And they use this to strike fear into the hearts of, of normal, everyday people. You're flawed. You're broken. There's something wrong with you. You're sin-filled. You're displeasing to God. It's evident by the fact that you don't have your act together. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots are doing. And they're also presuming God is going to bless them more because they're so good. And while they're setting in place and reinforcing this ladder of hierarchy, their elevation over others, they're, they're putting in place rules and laws, and they're doubling down on their arguments. They're, they're honing their argument. They get together with each other and just sharpen their argument of how we're more perfect, and, well, you're more screwed up, and let's say it this way. And, and they're, they're improving their talk points and, and the way they manipulate and diminish and dominate and crush others. They're claiming to speak for God, and Jesus calls them false prophets. Makes clear they are not the real deal. He says, this is how you can tell. And it becomes clear, this is what the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots have spent their time doing. Our text for today, Matthew 7, Jesus moves into actually warning about bogus, counterfeit, false, phony religiosity. He starts with an example, a sign of, of how do you know that people aren't the real deal, are not spending time with God? And the example that he gives is judging others. It's a function of insecurity. It says, do not judge others, for the judgment you use on them will be the judgment used on you. Judging others is a function of insecurity, trying to elevate ourselves in comparison to others while making the decision that, well, I just have to prove myself. I'm trying to assert my own worth, so I'm gonna list off in my head all the ways that I'm better than everybody else, and I'm gonna list off the ways that other people are not as good, and I'm gonna diminish others in the process, which we discovered earlier in this series, back in the Back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes painfully clear 
Our value is not an achievement that we pull off. Our value is declared by God at our birth. Our, our value is something that is restored to us when we enter again into the presence of God. When we spend time with God, Jesus uses the word makarios. We translate it as blessed. It's a, it's a poor translation, but we don't have a better word. Makarios, coming into the presence of God. And we're crushed by the world and we're exhausted and we're breathless and we're poor in spirit and we're cowering and we're not breathing any, we're panting. We can't take a deep breath and we come into the presence of the king. Expecting, if not judged and rejected, well, expecting to at least be scolded harshly. And instead, what we find is the king is looking on us with love. And the king recognizes us and confers again on us our value, restates who we are. God establishes ownership. Again, you're mine. And we weren't expecting that. And we gasp in surprise and we begin to breathe again. And as we breathe, we stand up. We elongate into our full stature, standing before our king. We are restored. And after a few moments, we are sent back out into the world as representatives of our king. This is what happens when we spend time with God. We become clear again that our value is declared by God alone. It is a value that is unshakable, as unshakable as the composition of salt. Salt cannot be made unsalty. And we become secure in this, like a house built on solid rock. We become clear of our own value, yes, but also clear on the value of everyone else who was created by God. And if we are representing our creator, our king, how can we speak ill of another of that king's creations? How can I snub my neighbor and still see God? How can I turn and treat my neighbor poorly or speak badly or diminish or badmouth the creation of God, a dangerous territory? And you will remember that is, in fact, dangerous territory. Jesus is painfully clear in his first public sermon that deciding to declare, redeclare the value of someone else for our own purposes is dangerous ground to tread. We try to relabel somebody as less. And what happens is we end up relabeling ourselves, not them. And the word that Jesus offers is poneros. That's what you do. That's your new label. You want to relabel somebody else? You want to declare yourself more powerful than God in determining who they are? Well, congratulations. You've not relabeled them. You've relabeled yourself. Poneros, evil. And Jesus makes really clear right in that same conversation that the only words that you dare to speak about someone else is to recognize 
God's work in them, God's creation of them, eulogio, that's the Greek word. You recall to them how you see God in them. And so Jesus is painfully clear, judging others? <laughs> it's a clear sign of someone who does not spend time with God. Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, zealots. It's how we know. And right after he has warned about false prophets and judging others, Jesus offers an image of what comes from time with God. How to know if a person is spending time with God. He says, focus on the fruit. Good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. And just to be clear, Bearing fruit is not about you taking up a list of all the good things you're going to do for everybody else. And you make that list, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to do, and, and you do it yourself, and you check that. But no, that is not what it means to bear good fruit. That can be the outcome of bearing good fruit. But this is the fruit of makarios. You come into the presence of the king, you were humbled in that moment, you are now standing full and upright. We're talking the fruit of, of that experience in the presence of God, what, how you come out of that time with God. The relief and the inner security of a clear identity given to you. The, the, the security you feel in who you are because you were declared that your value was conferred on you by your creator. And as you have received, <laughs> you have to give. It, it comes into you and it overflows you and it flows out of you. Approval and compassion and kindness and patience and generosity and gentleness and meekness and self-control and peace. All of this fruit you become a new person because of this. It comes from spending time with God. Jesus is describing what it looks like to be mature in God's way, how we can tell by looking at everyone around us. And Paul picks up on this. Paul is interpreting Jesus to the Gentiles. And Paul had been a religious authority prior to this before Jesus got a hold of him. And Paul knew the ways of the religious authorities and, and he had used, in fact, all of their techniques and their accusations and, and their ways of attacking and spinning and talking and speaking over and smearing and striking fear into the hearts of vulnerable people and diminishing other people's worth. Religious chicanery. Paul knew all of it. He knew how it worked, inside and out. He didn't do it anymore, but he could still recognize it when he saw it. And Paul, in writing to the, to the Hebrews, he says, let us, he calls it out, he says, let us move beyond those basic, fundamental teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. 
by not perseverating on repentance, by not getting distracted by religious rituals, by not going on and on about right belief, by not preaching end times and eternal judgment. He recognized what these are. Criticism wrapped in religion, because every one of them is a finger pointer about what you're not doing right. And if you did it better, you would be on better terms with God. And you better get your understanding of belief right. And you people better get your rituals together. If you're not performing them right, how can God like... I mean, it's that. You don't need any more of that, Paul says. He says that is a commitment to immaturity. He says staying focused on these is an immature faith. In fact, he goes as far as to say it's like crucifying Jesus all over again. That's what Paul says. And then he goes on to describe a mature faith. He says how you treat other people is the indicator of your love for God. He says that's how we will know and Paul isn't done with this idea. It's not a, a one and done. It, it, it drops a couple of times later in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, he says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles. And wait a minute, we've got to figure out what that sin is because it's not sin which so easily entangles. It's the sin which so easily entangles. And so now we're stuck going... What sin is this, the sin, that so easily entangles? Well, Paul just told us. The sin which so easily entangles and draws so many is that commitment to immaturity and insecurity and remaining focused on those basic fundamental teachings about Christ. All those ways of pointing your finger at somebody else and telling them it's about them and you got to straighten up. Yeah, it makes me feel really in control to do that. All those ways of scaring people so well, it works. Focusing on repentance and rituals, perseverating on right belief and preaching endlessly about end times and eternal judgment which is coming to you people. It's a great way for a preacher to remain in control by criticism. It's a great way to never have to mature in our faith. Paul even goes, in, in Hebrews 10, along the way, he even goes to the point of saying, if we continue to deliberately mistreat others in this way, after we have received the knowledge of their value, we make ourselves to be enemies of God. It's not just how you treat people. If you continue to go out of your way to criticize and beat people up, Paul says you become an enemy of God. That is the sin so easily entangled. And so Hebrews 12, the Apostle Paul takes this teaching of Jesus and he says it this way, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race that is before us. 
I was a runner in high school. And so this passage catches my attention. Maturing faith is like running a marathon. It's not like running a sprint race. It's 100 yards down the track. No, it's a lifelong marathon. The spring of my senior year of high school, we got a new math teacher. Um, I, I, it doesn't matter how it happened. We, we got a new math teacher, and we got a new track coach. And the new track coach had been a state-level runner in high school. She'd gone to state. And then she had also been a collegiate competitor. Uh, and I remember one of her motivational talks to those of us who were distance runners. And what I remember thinking at the time is I wish I'd heard this my freshman year. I didn't hear this till my senior year. She gathered us around and she said, you have to choose what kind of a runner you're going to be. You can be somebody who shows up for practice every day and gets on the bus and goes to the beats and you might get a letter for your jacket and that's really neat. You compete mostly in practice against your teammates. And every once in a while, you compete against some kids from other schools, and your parents will come and clap for you, and then they'll take you for ice cream at Tasty Freeze. And that's wonderful, and that's fine, and I will coach you, and I will cheer you on. And after she paused, she said, or you can discipline yourself as a runner. You begin running every day because you're a runner. Every morning you get up and you run before you come to school. And on days we don't have practice, you run in the afternoon. And the only person you're competing with is yourself. And you're pushing yourself to run faster, better, harder, longer. You're building endurance. You're learning to process that voice that says, stop. And you're learning to manage the stress and to compete at your highest level. And yes, your parents may come and sit in the stands and cheer for you, but you won't hear them. And it won't matter anyway because you're not running to impress your parents or your friends. You're running against yourself who you used to be, what you used to accept. And you will find that you are much faster than you ever thought you could be, much stronger. And then she paused. And of course, she was talking to high school students, so of course, somebody had to ask a question. And I asked her, Do we need to tell you what kind of a runner we are? And she said, no.
standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. try from here. May the Spirit of God go before you to show you the way, behind you to nudge you when you're too scared to move, above you to watch over you, beside you to be sometimes the only friend you've got in this world, and within you to give you peace. Go always in the peace of Christ. Amen. must give good works of service are for